This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to the Holland Assets Podcast. This is episode number 42. What, Chris, what were you going to say something? You're going to interrupt my I, intro? No, 42 is just, I'm, we're getting up there. I know. We've been doing this for a bit. I'm Craig, and that's Chris. We've been doing this for a hot minute now. It's been, we're coming up on a year getting that you close. started yeah, your- uh, Less than a month away from a year. Yeah. Wow. And uh, today we are going to be talking about something that every new uh, owner operator or trucking company owner needs to know about. And that is DOT safety audits and compliance with all of that and how to prepare for it specifically. Now, this is a topic that much like the last one in episode 41 uh, and much like the taxes episode before that, it may not be the sexiest topic in the world, but if you don't know it, you're screwed. Yeah, this is uh, it's a critical it's a critical subject. Everybody needs to know a little bit about this. So it may not be the the most exciting topic, but it's critical. And I I kind of want to talk before we you know really get into this just kind of in, in part of this intro is there's a, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between a safety audit and a new entrant safety audit. So we're today we're talking more the safety audit. So this is for anybody who really has been operating for a long period of time. Um, an actual DOT safety audit is going to be a lot more thorough than a new entrant audit is. Um, and we're going to talk more about the new entrant audit in the next episode, but today is going to be the safety audit. And, you know, if, if you're prepared for a safety audit, your new entrant audit is going to be just fine because it's, it's, it's like a dummy down version of a safety audit. So this is kind of more the, the big version what we're going to talk about is going to be more the dummy down version and my experience with my actual safety audit with Holland Assets. So does that mean that if people understand this episode, episode number 42, really well, that episode number 43 becomes extraneous? Not not necessarily because we're going to, there are some specifics with it and we're going to, in, ne- in the next episode, we're really going to dive down into the process of like, how do you submit the documents? And, you know, I, I've had some interactions with my actual auditor we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so there's, there's going to be some really important information specific to the new entrant audit that's really going to help people through that. And and both of them are applicable to both situations. So you're going to learn some stuff in this one that's going to be that's really going to help you out with the new entrant audit. And actually some of the stuff we talk about in the new entrant audit will also be applicable to just your regular full-blown DOT audit. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we get to all of that, I will remind you, as is my job here, to go to hollandassetsllc.com for full show notes uh, for this and other episodes. As I mentioned during the last episode, these uh, these episodes about regulations and audits and all this, this is not, this is detailed stuff. This is not really simple stuff that we can do in a hundred words and your little blurb that you get on Apple Podcasts or whatever. So there's going to be a read more link when you look at the show notes here to go to the full show notes. And I really can't encourage you enough to go do that. Make sure you go to hollandassetsllc.com, click through on that link so that you can get the full details of what we're going to be talking about here in this episode today. Uh, all right, Chris. Bef- and reviews. 
Oh, and reviews. reviews. Yeah, as long as you're there reading that thing, that blurb in Apple Podcasts, (laughs) you might as well leave us a five star review. Absolutely, we're we're to the point we're actually getting thousands of listeners, thousands of downloads a week, which is awesome. But we we have less than a hundred reviews, and yeah, we the reviews help us out a ton, and I and I really like it when you you know some of you guys that haven't given reviews yet, go put them on and tell us what you like about it and what you'd like to hear more. I I read every last one of those reviews. And we, we try to adapt to what it is that the, the people want. We listen to the people. Now, I, Chris, I only read the ones that talk about how great I am. <laughs> Which is none of is, is there any that talk about how great that's, you are? That's why I don't read the reviews. Somebody throw Craig a bone and uh, <laughs> mention him in the review. Get, help that's your right. self-esteem a little that, bit. Well, it's, I mean, I want Chris to, you know, keep me employed here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I need, to, I need to justify that. Okay, Chris... Tell me about what's going on on the road before we uh, get fully into this subject because I, uh, I neglected to ask you last time and I want to hear how things are going. Um, things are going really well. Uh, I had a, a pretty unique, interesting experience uh, a week or so ago. I, I've, we, we've talked about this before. I've hauled cookies before. Sure. Well, I, I hauled another load of cookies, but this time from a different uh, manufacturer here in the Salt Lake area. And it was different because... The other place I'd hauled for both time this time and be the the other manufacturer I've always had to have my reefer set at minus ten degrees, which you would think cookies don't need to be shipped that, that is cold. Pretty frozen. That's very frozen cookies. Um, every time I've hauled them before, they bring them from a freezer and put them into my truck. Well, this time they they took the cookies. The cookies were hot. Like not out of the oven hot, but they were in and they're warm. They're they're warm. Probably the ambient temperature of the warehouse they were in. So probably like 60, 70 degrees. And then I had to put them in my reefer and run my reefer at minus 10. Well, it, it surprised me how long it took to get the reefer temperature to actually go down to minus 10. Cause oh, you've got cause those the hot cookies, cookies in are, there. Oh. Yeah. And so I, I, I ran that reefer. It was a load that went from Salt Lake all the way to Atlanta and that reefer ran like I was hauling ice cream in a hundred degree weather for like <laughs> two and a half days before it finally got the temperature down to minus 10. Wow. I, I was shocked at how big of a difference it makes and how hard the reefer has to run when you put a warm product into a, into a reefer that then has to cool that temperature, that product down to minus 10. It's, you know, it sounds like you're doing the job of the dang shipper. Yeah. You know, they should get I, the cookies down to that temperature first. I, I guarantee you if I ever haul for that shipper again, I'm going to get a little bit more money because it, it really, you know, I, I probably spent an extra 75 to a hundred bucks in fuel. Wow. Just on that reefer. Yep. That's amazing. All right. Well, the and this more, is the and more, it, you know, and I was hauling it when it was, you know, lows in the thirties, and highs in the 50s so it wasn't even all that hot outside right well gosh uh live and learn and uh ask for more money next time for sure Chris. yeah all right so all right today the subject at hand is preparing for a dot safety audit not a new entrant audit audit now you mentioned there is a difference between the two it kind of sounds like this is the more intense version which actually in my mind to be honest doesn't make a lot of sense it kind of seems like you would want to be really intense with the new guy and make sure that he's uh, got all his ducks in a row. But apparently that's not how the DOT operates here. That's not how they operate, which is, it is a little bit interesting, but it's kind of good because uh, especially the good auditors, which every one that I've worked with, and I've, I've mostly only worked with the ones here in Utah for the most part where I've actually been involved in the process outside of the one for my own, but they're really 
the the new entrant audits they use those as training opportunities and they they're willing to kind of teach the carrier what they need to do they they realize you're new and you might not know everything but they want to feel confident that they can that that you are going to are trying to follow the regulations and that if there are some areas that you're lacking in you, you they can educate you and feel confident that you're going to make the adjustments that you need to make but today, of course, we're talking about the full-blown safety audits. Uh, this is something that you could go through in your first little while as a, uh, you know, as a, a new entity. But you know, this is something that could occur throughout your career. Yeah, so you got to know about it the whole way. And tell me a little bit about this process. So safety audits happen all the time, and really, the safety audit is just it's it's a review of your records, and they're going to review your hours of service records, your equipment maintenance records, and you know, all kinds of things. And, and even if you don't have an, a pending audit on the horizon, you could have one at any time and going through the process of gathering those records, making sure you have everything that you're supposed to have really is a good way to make sure that you're actually following the regulations. Cause if you're doing that record keeping, like you're supposed to, that's 90% of the battle right there. You're going to have 90% of following the regulations in the bag and done. And the other 10% really just comes with following the rules, like, you know, not speeding, not breaking traffic rules, um, following the hours of service regulations, that kind of stuff. So if you're keeping records, following those laws, you're going to be golden when it comes to audits. Right. Now, last time in episode 42, we talked about some different types of audits that you might go through. We've already beat to death the idea of the new entrant uh, <laughs> audit, and we'll continue to beat that next week. Uh, but there's also, you mentioned last time, there's off-site audits, there's on-site audits, and within that, it could be a targeted or it could be a comprehensive audit. Uh, do we want to go into any more detail on that today, or should we just refer folks to episode 42 for that? I'll just, let's let's talk really briefly about the, the off-site audit and the on-site audit. So the off-site audit is one of those things where you're typically uploading documents into an FMCSA system. The auditors review it, and as long as everything looks good, that's it. They're really pretty easy, simple, not very intrusive. But the th- the the thing with them is that you have to keep in mind is that if if they see issues and stuff that you're uploading and you're not providing all the documentation, or you they're they're able to see that you're not following all the regulations, they will often upgrade that offsite audit onto an on-site audit. Okay. So, you know, you keep that in mind. You just because you're having an off-site audit doesn't mean they might not change that to an on-site audit. Don't, so don't relax. Don't relax. Do what they want you to. Follow, you know, upload everything that you get. Get the documentation. Don't ignore them. That's the worst thing you can do is ignore them. You just made this sound like a stick up. <laughs> just give them what they want. <laughs> they'll, go, they'll go away. It, yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> Be that nervous. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. So I'm, I'm currently sweating bullets, Chris. <laughs> so what, what sort of records are they going to ask you to upload or that they're going to review if it's on site? Employment applications, copies of CDLs, um, they're going to want to see your logs, whether that's through an ELD or paper logs, they're going to want to see that kind of stuff. Supporting documentation for the logs, so like your bills of lading or fuel receipts, that kind of stuff. Um, vehicle maintenance records, driver lists, vehicle lists, that kind of stuff is, is typically what the last for you to upload. So is there anything beyond, uh, preparation wise, is there anything beyond your kind of day in, day out or weekly, uh, 
maintenance of your logs that somebody needs to be doing to prepare for these audits? Or if you do all that, are you ready automatically? Well, most of it's just staying on top of it. You're kind of ready automatically. For instance, you know, we're going to kind of go into this. There's three categories of, of things that you, you need to maintain with your um, records. And, you know, the first category pertains to company specific information. The second maintain uh, refers to driver specific information. The last one's stuff specific to your equipment. So like, for instance, every time you have a PM preventive maintenance done on your truck, if you're annotating that in, in your records and you're keeping the receipts to show that you did it, that's all you need to do. If you have a repair done on your truck and you're maintaining that record and you put it in that equipment file, that's really all you need to do. And so as long as you're doing those things, this thing's happening, every time you hire a driver, you're completing all the pieces of the driver qualification file. That's really all you need to do. And so it's just... It's every time you have one of those kind of events within your company, you're gathering the required documentation and you're filing it away. You're good. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Simple so as that. now there, there's I, some I should ongoing say, things like if you've got a driver, you know, every year you have to pull, have a copy of their motor vehicle record, their MVR. So, you know, you, you've got to, there, there are some regular maintenance type things that you have to do too. But for the most part, the heavy hitting's done when you hire, hire a driver, add a vehicle to your fleet or have repairs and things like that done to your fleet. Yeah, yeah. Now, for a person like me, I look, Chris, I'm going to level with you. I'm not the most organized person in the world. Look around the studio right now. You'll see what I mean. I, I Organization does not come easy for me, but I'm going to have to learn how to do that if I want to be effective at this, right? And now, as I understand it, there are things that you and your company, Motor Carrier HQ, that you provide to help somebody like me who's maybe not as inclined yeah, no, <laughs> toward that organization, right? Absolutely. So one of one of the products that we're actually actually the most proud of at Motor Carrier HQ is our our audit assistance package. So the way that the audit assistance package works, well actually let me give you a little bit of history into it. You know, over the years, you know, years ago we noticed our clients were having issues with the DOT audits and, and didn't know what to do or where to start or how to do things. And so we developed a, a, a package that follows the DOT auditors requests of the things that they look for. And we developed, we, we like to call it kind of this redneck package of items that, you know, these are what you need to have. And, you know, over time that kind of evolved into what we've got now. We, we, we got to the point where we thought that redneck package was pretty good. It was just like handwritten folders and, you know, just nice. kind of haphazardly thrown together. We had a, a couple of auditors here in Utah look at it and give us suggestions. Hey, this is great. Um, but don't forget this. Don't forget this. Add this. There's a few things you're missing here. And so we we honed it in at that point and then we printed it out on good you know folder card stock with some instructions and then a bunch of supporting documentation like um, employment applications and equipment lists and things like that. So it, it all comes in this folder system. The folders have right on them, you know, this is what your driver qualification file needs to have. And this is what needs to be updated annually. So it's, it's really a do it yourself step-by-step system that will keep you organized. So you've got all the records that you're supposed to have and are, are able to fairly easily with just a little bit of elbow grease, follow the regulations and do what you're supposed to do. And have uh, all those ducks constantly in a row, hopefully. All those ducks in a row, day in, day out, every day. Yeah, awesome. So when you have this audit, let's let's assume that uh, you're, you're getting a, a 
an off-site audit, right? You got to send all this stuff in. No, I actually, now I'm going to amend that because you said if it's an off-site audit and they're noticing issues, they're going to upgrade it to an on-site, right? Yeah. And so now they're on-site looking through all your stuff. Uh, at this point, what what are the biggest uh, things that will cause a failure in this audit? Uh, what, what do we want to especially look out for? So there's, there's basically 16 things that the FMCSA has identified that are going to be automatic failures. Um, and I don't want to necessarily read through each one of those 16 things. I'm going to have them in the show notes yep. so that they're there, but they're basically under different categories. So for example, if you're not, if you don't have a drug and alcohol program and you're not following those requirements, that's going to be essentially an automatic failure. So if you're not doing your pre-employment screenings, your random drug tests, you're in deep trouble. Okay. All right. Um, if you're hiring a driver that's not not qualified, so like if they don't have a CDL and you're they're operating <laughs> that, that a CDL a vehicle, problem. big problem, and that's an automatic failure. Um, <laughs> or if, or or what is more common, and people don't necessarily think about all the time, if their CDL has been suspended for some reason, like they haven't mm. put their medical card on it, or they had too many violations and it got suspended. Um, and sometimes drivers don't tell you, and that makes it really hard. That's why you have to pull those MVRs every year because that'll show if if it's suspended or anything like that, you know, that's another thing that's going to, if you knowingly allow a driver that has a suspended CDL drive, that's an automatic failure. If you don't have insurance, automatic failure. Um, if you've operated a CMV, a commercial motor vehicle that's been placed out of service. So like if you drive through to a port and you get inspected at the port and you've got a safety issue on your truck that's big enough that the DOT says you're not moving this truck until it's fixed and then you go move the truck, fail. they will fail. They will fail you. Yeah. Wow. Or if you've been placed out of service because you've already exceeded your 11 hours of drive time and- um, And then you hop back on the they road. They tell you to park and you don't, and you, you park for like two hours and say, hey, I'm just going to kind of sneak out of here. Um, that's an, that's another one of those things that's just going to be an automatic failure. You just, those are kind of things you just do not do. Yeah, absolutely. Or another one that's, that, that happens if, if your drivers are noticing defects on your equipment and you're not fixing them, that'll fail you. And then your annual safety inspections, if you're not doing the annual safety DOT inspections, that'll another thing that'll fail you right away. But this is exactly the kind of stuff you, you mentioned, uh, motor carrier HQ, they've got this process dialed in and this is what people are going to find in in that it, uh, that what you call it the redneck packet the, it's not it's not redneck anymore it's oh, like okay. it's legit looking good it's a full blown hey, you know for I several will not have you besmirching <laughs> the good name of redneck yeah, i'm a redneck i, I grew up on a farm so <laughs> uh, i don't but, i don't use that in a derogatory <laughs> but when you're talking about things like uh, you know drug testing or uh, maintenance records or whatever the case may be that that those are the categories that are in that yep they're uh, in, that in, in that folder so let's let's actually kind of go through those right now real quick yeah we'll sure kind of go through each one of those categories talk just really briefly what is on on those pieces so i i mentioned it's three categories right the first one has to do with stuff involving your company right and and that's gonna um be things like your insurance so there's an mcs 90 form that your insurance carrier should be able to provide you that the that you have to keep on file um, an accident register. Um, so if, if you've had any accidents or your vehicles have been involved in any accidents, even if it's not your driver's fault or your fault, you still have to record that you were involved in an accident. 
um, drug and alcohol program, your your consortium membership, that that's kind of company specific thing, and then also your IFTA records. Those are all under the kind of that company category. Gotcha. And then the the other one, driver, was Dri- one of the other and, categories. And driver's really the big one. Um, you, you've probably heard uh, pretty extensively extensively used term driver qualification file. So your driver qualification file is going to have everything that shows your driver is qualified to operate this motor vehicle. So things like a copy of their CDL or some kind of driver test to show that they're qualified to drive that commercial motor vehicle, um, a copy of their motor vehicle record, their MVR, and that has to be pulled every year. You know, there's a few of these things that you have to kind of do every year. And if I cast my mind way back in the, in the way back machine, Chris, to, <laughs> you know, it was in the, the first few episodes we did, you mentioned if you are uh, self-employed, you're an owner operator, you still want to have things like an employment application or do. things yeah. like that you, on file. Wow. I'm impressed, Craig. You, that you was think a long I, while ago. You thought I wasn't listening, Chris. <laughs> you were paying attention. You've shocked me. <laughs> we're actually in the next episode going to dive into that a little bit more because okay. that's actually when I was talking to my auditor, that's actually one of the more common issues he sees in the new entrant audit is owner operators not not considering themselves, themselves like a driver as employees we'll dive into that a little bit deeper okay all episode. right but the third category you mentioned we, we've talked about uh, the company the driver and then the equipment the the truck and the trailer right yep so you've got to maintain a list of all the equipment that you've got on hand and then you know basically their maintenance records and the the maintenance records from what i've seen in audits they don't have to be extensive it just has to show that um, when your drivers find issues in their daily inspections that they're getting repaired and you, that you can provide documentation to show that re- they're repaired, either the, a, a receipt for a part being purchased or um, a receipt at a, a shop that you took it to or that it, item got fixed and resolved, that you know, you're rotating the tires out or changing your tires out when they get worn to you know, where they're supposed to, when they're supposed to be chained out, the brakes. You know, that kind of thing. Like I just had to redo the brakes on my trailers because they were getting to the point where they weren't going to pass inspection. Right. Okay. So we've got uh, this whole packet. You're following, uh, you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. You get the inspection. And then let's talk about the results, the possible results here. Are, are you getting graded? Because that always stressed me out when I was a kid, right? <laughs> like, is there is there a gradation or is this a simple pass-fail situation? It, there are a couple different categories, and let's talk a little bit about that. So if you pass, one of two things is going to happen. If, if it's anything other than an on-site comprehensive audit and you pass, you're just going to basically nothing's going to change. You're going to remain unrated or in the category that you're currently in. So if you fail the audit, typically what's going to happen is there's a little bit of a process at that point. Um, there, you're going to get issued a notice of violation. We talked a little bit about this in the last episode and that notice of violation is basically going to detail all the areas where you've failed in. So typically when I've seen, it's pretty rare that somebody just fails in one category. You know, if they're not following the regs, they usually have issues in multiple categories. So you may have failed the hours of service area and there's different levels of failure. And I don't really necessarily want to go into that, but there's um, different types of violations and different uh, severities of those violations. Um, but you're going to get that notice of violation. They're going to detail them all out. And at that point, you know, you're either going to get issued a conditional or an unsatisfactory safety rating. And they may, on top of that, add civil penalties or fines. And you get what's called a um, notice of claim that will kind of detail what the civil penalty is going to be. 
but hopefully everything goes all right, right? So hopefully you're not getting that unsatisfactory rating or even a conditional one. And just because you've received that notice of violation doesn't mean it's the end of the world. The the FMCSA isn't, I've only seen it one time in my entire career where the FMCSA has gone and essentially completed, done a safety audit and, and done what they, I think if I remember right, they say it's your, they list you as an imminent hazard and shut you down immediately. I've only seen that happen one time and it was on a passenger carrier, not a cargo carrier. Oh, really? It's, it's really rare. I mean, you have to be doing really bad stuff to have that happen. Okay. So, you know, well, usually that's encouraging. It is least. encouraging. Even when you get that notice of violation, it's not the end of the world. The, the DOT and the FMCSA is going to give you some time to, to kind of fix the problems. And it may be too late to end up with a satisfactory or an unrated rating at the end of it. You may end up with a conditional rating, but uh, except for in the most egregious situations, you're going to be able to at least walk out of it with a conditional rating. But to get to that point, you may have to do, like we talked in the last episode, either the corrective action plan, the cap, or you're going to have to do a safety upgrade request, especially if they come back and they issue that notice of violation in there, say that we're going to, we propose that you be given an unsatisfactory safety rating. They're going to give you a certain amount of time period to um, essentially kind of appeal that to a certain extent. It's not really an appeal, but it's basically the same thing. They're going to give you time to do that safety upgrade request. And we talked a little bit about the repentance process last time, (laughs) right? (laughs) Getting religious on everybody here. You have to tell them what you've done wrong. Um, why you did it, how you're going to fix it, how you're going to prevent it from happening again. Once you kind of go through that whole process for each one of your violations, provide them documentation so that they feel warm and fuzzies that you actually do have your stuff together and you're going to be able to resolve those issues and prevent them from happening again, they will, instead of giving you the unsatisfactory safety rating, they'll give you a conditional. Gotcha. And don't even think about trying to buy an indulgence because that's called a bribe. (laughs) Yeah, don't do that. A little little medieval Catholic humor for you there, Chris. I have actually seen somebody try to do that before. No, really? Yes, it does. Do not do that. It does not (laughs) work. It didn't go down so well. it didn't go down so well. (laughs) Yeah. And, And another thing to keep in mind, you can't be given like a proposed um, unsatisfactory rating and think that you can, you know, um, shoot up to satisfactory. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't dazzle them with your, um, knowledge of the regs and how you're going to fix everything and make it better. You can't, you can't skip steps. So if they say proposed unsatisfactory, the best you're going to get is conditional. Then you, you do that. And then you have to go through another DOT audit to go from conditional to, satisfactory so it's a it's a multi-step process if you get if you get to that point gotcha but we i mean we help people through that process all the time we see it happen and it's very possible it just it's one of those things it takes time and it's going to take effort that's why i say time and time again an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure because if you get to that point where you've got a notice of violation and a proposed unsatisfactory rating it's a lot of effort to get up to the satisfactory rating and it takes you're, you're talking a year plus process. That's what I was just going to ask. So it's uh, a year plus process to, to get that satisfactory. So what, six months between uh, between inspections? Between each one, yep. Wow. Okay. Well, so uh, I hope that the lesson everybody takes from this is to prevent. Prevent? Prevent. Absolutely. Uh, and so I, I know it, it kind of sounds like a little bit of a hard sell, and that's not quite what we mean to do here. But when we keep bringing up this uh whatever we want to call it the redneck packet or whatever from uh, motor carrier hq we're bringing it up for a reason uh, it's that uh, this 
prevention that we're talking about is extremely important to you and your company to staying, not just staying afloat, but thriving uh, and making sure that you can continue to increase not just your experience, but the rates that you're able to charge and the uh, the type of cargo that you're able to haul and all of that stuff. This all feeds into not just keeping the monkeys off your back, but it, it's about bettering your business and making sure that you can continue to grow and that this doesn't become a roadblock. Right, Chris? Absolutely. Yep. You just, it's, it's, it's easy to stay on top of relatively easy. You stay on top of it and you'll save yourself a ton of pain and heartache later on down the road. Very good. Well, thanks to everybody for listening and I hope you get, I hope you have gotten something out of the last episode and this one. We've got one more for you. It's going to be talking about entrant audits And uh, it is going to be especially important, of course, to new authorities out there. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, And if you have not yet done so, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite pod catcher or whatever they're calling them these days. Uh, Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review if you haven't yet done so. And tell your friends about us. If you appreciate what we do, if uh, anything that we've done in these last 43 episodes has helped you out, we would appreciate your referral to those others that you drive with, work with, talk to at the at the truck stop, whatever the case may be. Let them know that we're out here. We want to be a resource for everybody. Yeah, and you know what's kind of funny is you don't even use a, an Apple iPhone. I'm holding and you an don't I- use iTunes. It's in, I'm, I have an iPad in my hand right now. <laughs> I don't need to use an iPhone. But Get you a- use an Android phone, so you're like, what do you you're confused you don't know which way to go you're kind of oh uh, i see clearly chris <laughs> uh, yeah. i don't know i i, I kind of feel like you're like a look, confused little child you can't <laughs> decide which 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 path to go but not just on itunes you know we want reviews on google play and what, um, what's the podcast uh, platform you use remind me well so mine is pocket cast yeah, yeah. I, don't, so, I don't think we can get reviews on that can't, so. yeah, okay well google play wherever else you could do reviews <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not partial just to iTunes. If you like us, create a brand new iTunes account <laughs> just to give us a five star rating, and then you can forget about it forever. Yeah, you'll feel good about yourself if you do that. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, everybody. 